Hey there, and welcome to Media, the podcast where we talk about VCE media and media education in general. My name's Brett Lamb, and today we're talking about Australian stories. The Australian film industry is an important part of our national identity, and it's important as a nation that we see our lives and our stories represented on the big screen. Today, we're going to celebrate Australian stories by taking a look at The Dish, a film directed by Rob Sitch, which was released in 2000. Loosely based on real events, the film tells the story of the Parkes Radio Telescope and its role in broadcasting Neil Armstrong's first steps on the moon. If you've seen The Dish, we'd love you to join the conversation by recording your 30-second response and sending it to brett at lessonbucket.com. We'd love to include you in a future episode about Australian stories. Now, to discuss The Dish, we have an absolutely sensational panel of Year 11 media students. Uh, We've got Natalie, Eva, Jamie, Stanley and Mecky. Thank you for joining us so much today, guys. Thank you. That's right. Thank you. Or as we say in Australia, g'day. (laughs) G'day. That didn't quite work, that one. Um, So, to start the ball rolling today, uh, Mecky, can you tell us a bit more about the storyline of The Dish. What are we getting ourselves into, um, you know, if we're going to watch this film? In the days before the July 19, 1969 space mission that marked humankind's first steps on the moon, NASA was working with a group of Australian technicians who had agreed to rig up in the satellite interface. That the Aussies placed the satellite dish smack dab in the middle of an Australian sheep farm. In the Bondux town of Parks was just one of the reasons that NASA was concerned. Based on a true story, the, di- the dish takes a smart, witty, comical look at the different cultural attitudes between Australia and the US while revisiting one of the greatest events in history. Yeah, that's pretty much the storyline <laughs> of the film. Um, I, you know, in terms of the story, uh, you know, one of the things I love about it is, um, you know, that whole opening scene where it sets up the, the majesty of this grand event, you know, the moon landing, people landing on the moon, and it cuts to our Prime Minister at the time, um, who's like, shit, the people at this place, they know what they're doing? Yeah. And, and his aide is like, uh, I, I think so. I bloody well hope so. I, lo- I love the fact that um, we seem to be a little bit out of our depth uh, when it comes to this. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that sort of idea that, you know, the Parks Radio Telescope is in the middle of a sheep paddock. Um, and, yeah, I, I find that really amusing. Um, what did other people think of the story? Did you find it sort of engaging or interesting? Yeah, I guess it was interesting. Yeah. What did you like about it? Um, it had like a mixture of, I guess, patriotism and comedy in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit later. I think, Jamie, I'm going to ask you about the film's historical accuracy. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. We're going to talk about that. But there is that sense that it is, it is very patriotic in a sort of uh, very self-deprecating way, you know, uh, we're sort of making uh, fun of ourselves, I think, uh, with this film. What did other people think of the story? Um, I think it was actually pretty interesting because I don't usually watch movies like this, so it was a change. So because they, it was uh, there were historic events in there, and then it was part comedy as well, which made it more interesting. Yeah, no, I agree completely. In fact, I think I apologise before I put this film on because this is the first Aussie film that we've watched this year together. And uh, I said, you know, people have this perception that Australian movies uh, are all uh, boring dramas uh, set in the outback uh, and in the past. And, it, well, at least this wasn't boring. You know, it was amusing. And I, I did like that sense of comedy. In, in terms of the story, I guess, um, you know, one of the moments that I 
like in the film is that big complication, you know, the bit where they lose track of Apollo 11 um, and uh, basically Cliff, played by Sam Neill, uh, gets on the radio and tells NASA that it must be a relay problem. Um, And there's that moment where Mitch, um, you know, he's sort of the guy who doesn't really like NASA and the Americans too much. Um, He's like, Cliff, that's bullshit. You just bullshitted NASA. Ever was going to say that was her favourite part of the film. Yeah. Oh, no. I've stolen your thunder. That's awful. Um, one of the things I actually like about this film as well are the characters. Um, Stan, do you want to tell us a, a little bit about the characters and uh, what they're like? Um, well, the first character that was introduced was uh, Russell Mitchell, or also known as Mitch. He's like a, He strikes me as a typical Aussie. You know, a funny guy, easygoing and stuff. Uh, his mate, Glenn... Uh, Glenn Latham is like the sort of nerdy stereotype. Uh, he likes playing a lot of tricks on him, you know, talking about his crush and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. His fiance. And, uh, you know, Glenn, he, he's he's like that sort of typical, stereotypical nerdy guy, you know, has trouble talking to girls. I, what I love about Glenn as well is the fact that any joke that they make in the film, he's like two steps behind. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Janine, his this person he's got this crush on, uh, comes to the station, and she makes this joke. Oh, everyone in town's over the moon about it. And about two minutes later, he's like, "Ah, oh, over the moon!" Like every joke, he's he's two beats behind. Um, yeah, sorry, keep going. Yeah, um, and also Al, the American NASA scientist, uh, he strikes me as like the responsible, mature American, uh, which Mitch, you know, has a kind of. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, that there's that antagonism there, and I, you know, I was rewatching the film last night. One of the the satisfying things I like about the movie is, you know, the film starts off and Mitch really doesn't like Al, and you know, sees it as an imposition that there's someone from NASA here checking their work and all of those sorts of things, and then as the film progresses, you see that um, respect develop between them. Um, yeah, um, Cliff Baxton, also known as the Dishmaster, has a responsibility like Al, but. Uh bit more respectful in an Australian way with his peers. Yeah, I, I, I really love Sam Neill in this movie. Um, I think he's uh, sort of the, plays this very taciturn, sort of understated scientist um, who's the, the heart and soul um, of the Parks uh, radio telescope. Um, and he has some really nice moments as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. And um, what, what really interests me was um, when they were mentioning about their current relationships, he was a bit shady with his marriage. Um, seemed like there was something going on between him yeah uh, there's that moment of course at the beginning of the film a journalist comes to the uh the telescope and is interviewing them and yeah there is that moment where he's like you guys married or single um and there's that little bit of hesitation um and then cliff is like you know he says that he's married um and you know as the film progresses we get the sense that he's really grappling um with the death of his wife apart from that also the security guard just an extra oh yes please yes he was pretty <laughs> funny i guess uh typical aussie as well a bit like uh mitch reminds me a bit of mitch yeah um did anyone else like rudy the the security guard at the yeah. dish yeah. i liked his accent like the way he spoke oh yeah. yeah it is it's a really nice performance um a couple of the bits that I really love is like Janine's coming to the dish um, to visit Glenn, well, you know, to bring them lunch. She's really coming to visit Glenn, let's be honest. Um, and Rudy's there and he's got a gun um, and he's like, oh, official national requirement. And Janine's like, does mum know? And she's like, no. And don't you tell her either, Janine. Just those those little bits and those little lines. And 
later in the film, it's Mitch and um, Cliff are up on the dish at night and he's sort of talking to him about this antagonism that he has for Al and Rudy comes up and interrupts and gives them sandwiches. And it's that moment when um, he's like, he admits that he tasted them just because, oh, they could be poisoned. You can't be too careful. And Cliff says, would you like some more? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm still starving. <laughs> and he takes them. Uh, no, seriously, that guy, I think, has some of the best uh, lines in the film. Uh, were there any other characters that you liked in the movie? Uh, definitely the president, maybe. Because like... <laughs> the, um, you mean the prime minister? The prime minister. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like he... He's a prime minister, but he doesn't really know much about what's happening. Yep. So, and he's also very like, he's very bad at making convos. So that's why sometimes his wife always comes in the middle and says, oh. Oh, you, you, oh yeah. sorry. Uh, you, you're talking about the mayor. The mayor, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I, what I love about that is in some ways, a little bit like Rudy, there are these big e egos in this very small town. And I love that whole exchange at the beginning of the film where he's talking about you know, with his uh, friend um, and basically says, do you know what this is about? And he's like, yeah, uh, kissing ass, brown nosing. And he's like, no, no, it's about vindication. I was right when I, you know, when I got the, the telescope here. And there's that really nice bit between Bob, the mayor, and the prime minister later in the film because he's got these sort of political ambitions. And there's that moment where he's like, you know, McIntyre, we have a saying in the party, don't F up. And he's like, and that's it. <laughs> you know, so there's really nice lines like that. I've got a bit of a question before we uh, uh, sort of proceed. Has anyone seen The Castle? Has anyone on this panel watched The Castle? No. No, the Australian film The Castle? Okay. I'm going to put it out there. Um, lo a lot of people will tell you that The Castle is the greatest Australian film that has ever been made. And they are utterly wrong. Okay. It's adorable. It's about a... Uh, a family in Melbourne whose whose house is compulsorily acquired by the government. It's it's amusing, and it was made directed by Rob Sitch and made by the same people who made the dish. I think the dish is a much funnier, much more beautiful looking film than The Castle. And I challenge anyone who says that is the greatest Australian film of all time because it's not. The dish is so much better, and it's so much funnier in um, you know I guess so many subtle ways. When they're playing cricket on top of the dish, there's just small subtle moments like this, um, basically where Mitch is saying, oh, you know, this L guy, he was asking if we have a uniform policy. And then he walks over and he's wearing these tight shorts and he bends over to pick up the cricket ball and Cliff's like, can't understand why I'd be asking about that. You know, there's these little subtle moments that I think um, are absolute gold. Any other characters that you liked? Because there's one other that I, you know, thought was perfect and stole the show in many ways oh was that the um little child i forgot his name oh the little child okay so L there's so many so yeah. this is bob's son why did you like that little kid um i don't know there weren't many scenes with him in it but then those little scenes when he would be talking about the landing and he'd know all these terms and um all this like science behind it and then his dad would be really clues like oh that's cool yeah. Just, yeah, he's sitting there and he's like, oh, there's, there's hydrogen in the, the landing module. And he's like, oh, is that bad? It's <laughs> like, no, no, they need that to actually fly into space. I think I was going to go to Evan next, actually, um, and actually ask about your favourite scenes. Now, I've already given one of them away. <laughs> yeah, that was probably one of the scenes that I um, remembered the most. Because, I don't know, it was just a, probably the funniest one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the other scenes, they were just like the small comedy 
yeah. scenes, in, like uh, the conversations between the characters. Um, but then I'd probably say the ending scene probably be the well the greatest one because you could see the character development between Al and Cliff because yep. they have that um, dislike between each other. Um, but then you could really see them working together at the end and well, all of them working together to over, um, overcome the problem. And then you see how happy they were all at the end when, well, the landing was finally. I, 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 I agree completely. I love that final scene. And the other scene that I really love is uh, when they're watching um, the launch of Apollo 11. So there's two moments that are very similar, the launch uh, and the landing on the moon. And I think what the film does really well and illustrates um, is the wonder and awe um, of that moment. And I know you all think I'm old, like really old, but I wasn't around for the moon landing. And I can only imagine that was what that was like. Uh, and the way you see those characters transfixed uh, by the, you know, that historic moment, I, I think is really amazing and beautiful. And I'm not afraid to admit, I did get a little bit teary towards the end. It's been probably been 20 years since I've watched this film. And I did get a little bit teary at the end there. It's a, it's, a, it's a really beautiful moment. Other scenes that you liked in the film? Oh, there's, this is just another funny scene, but it's when they were meant to play the um, American... Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the American National <laughs> Anthem. Yeah, the, the anthem, and then they're just all expecting it, and then out of nowhere the song just plays. And <laughs> yeah, uh, which is the theme to Hawaii Five-0. It's truly yeah. a brilliant moment. It's particularly the reaction of the American ambassador. Um, yeah, you're right. There are so many like little subtle moments... Uh, like when Bob and his wife are talking about the arrival of the ambassador and that she's like, this is really important. We're going to be his first uh, impression of Parks and you get the shot from the interior of the car as it pulls up and they sort of lean in and they're waving at him. Um, just little moments like that are absolute gold. i got to say, there's one character that you all have forgotten about. I think, isn't it the soldier? Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, absolutely. And... <laughs> It's him and it's Marie McIntyre, the girl he's oh, yeah. trying to impress, Bob's daughter. Uh, oh, yeah. What do you like about that character, Jamie? The soldier or...? Oh, either of them. I mean, with the soldier, he was clearly disciplined. <laughs> to yeah, an extent. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's one word for it, I suppose. There are wonderful moments there because Marie, uh, Bob's daughter, just keeps turning up and she's, she's a university student. She's all that. She's got things to say about America. Um, and she just pops up now and again and she's got these great lines like this entire mission is just an example of America's imperialist greed. Um, and I love those moments with Keith who's trying to talk to her and trying to ask her out and they're standing on, it's that scene where they're about to meet the ambassador. He turns up and asks where she is and he heads into the hall and Bob's like, that boy's about to get a taste of war. I just love that. Anyway, it amused me. And the bit at the end as well. Doesn't he put his hand on her shoulder? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she brushes it off pretty quickly. Um, yeah. No, that was really nice indeed. So we're just going to pause our discussion for a moment and hear from Elsa, who's going to tell us a little bit about an Aussie movie called Bait. You ready to leave all this behind? Where you go, I go. Hi, I'm Elsa, and today I'm here to share with you the thrilling tale of a shark bloodbath. Bait is an Australian 3D killer shark film released in 2012, set in a sleepy beach community. Shoppers at a supermarket are terrorized by a crazed bandit when a tsunami swallows the town. Now trapped in a pool of water, our protagonist Josh, played by Xavier Samuel, and a group of other survivors discover that the tsunami has brought an unwanted visitor from the depths. 
There's a 12 foot great white shark in here. Director Kimmel Rendell had a vision for a film that turned the simple into something that was outrageous and horrific. It's a film where there's a major catastrophe that changes an everyday environment into something terrifying. Fate was unique. Not only was it the first ever Australian production that sourced and crewed over 3D equipment, it was also the first ever Australian Singapore co-production. Most of the film was shot in handheld and it was clear that although they were shooting a 3D film, they made sure to capture all of the great angles that an action film needs, as well as all the materials needed for a good drama piece. Oh my god. What's that? Bait had a spectacular opening, particularly in China. It was extremely well received, taking the number one position at the box office and grossing 2 million on its first day of release, despite only earning a little less than 800,000 on its home country of Australia, Bait 3D was a seizable success overseas, making over 20 million in China alone. It was an international success. For me, I really enjoyed watching the cast of characters in Bait working together and helping each other as they cling onto the edge of hope for survival. Get everyone out of the water. Those were my favourite moments of the film because it showed how strong human bonds formed through being a part of the same crisis. Seeing the actors' devastated expressions as they watched the crew die one by one caused a swell of emotions inside me. I can make it! I can make it! The cinematographer did an amazing job at developing the supermarket, testing it and dealing with the reflection issues, allowing the production team to create a perfect location for a confined underwater space. The dark and gloomy atmosphere of the supermarket interior and the way its ceiling could rise and lower to give an impression of the water rising was able to enhance the tensions of the story and make me feel uneasy. The characters were all dressed in dull colours and soaked with water throughout the crisis, which gave off the feeling of a cold and brutal environment. For all I can say, Bait was a pleasant surprise. To be honest, I wasn't expecting much from an Australian film. However, the production team for Bait managed to bring in many dramatic elements with the way they utilised both natural and artificial light to get something which enhances the drama and the terror, creating a genuinely entertaining story. The actors did an amazing job at expressing both fear and love, creating a cast of relatable characters that I found myself emotionally attached to. In conclusion, for a story about people trapped in a supermarket with a great white shark, there were no superheroes in costumes, but superheroes in white clothes. And now we're back. We might actually throw to Jamie. Oh no. Yes, Jamie. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Now, I was reading a bit. I put it out there that I was doing a podcast with my students about this and someone said, are you going to talk about the historical accuracy? And I have to admit, 
I did not know that this film is not historically accurate. Neither did I. Ne- neither did you. <laughs> uh, what are some of the inaccuracies, I guess, in this film? Um, some inaccuracies include the fact that Parks had no transmitter, so it could not uh, send commands or voices to the spacecraft. Okay. So, quote, uh, Parks go for command, end quote, as used in the movie is completely wrong and misleading. Okay. Um, I, I actually threw a website your way, which was um, put together by, um, I believe, the... Who was it? Was uh, it the director of the, yes, the mission? Yeah, it was the, the director. Of, yeah. Yeah. And basically, I guess what the film talks down a little bit is the role that Honeysuckle Creek played uh, in the transmission. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. yeah. So did they play a more significant role than Parks? Uh, yeah, they are known to have uh, received and provided good quality TV pictures. Yeah. So no, it wasn't Parks. Yeah, and I, I also noticed at the end of the film that um, although... There's that moment in the film where it's like, oh, we've got no other support. You know, we have to transmit the, the pictures of the moon. And at the end of the film, it's, there's that acknowledgement of Honeysuckle Creek. I guess my question to you, Jamie, is do you reckon it matters? Do you reckon it matters that this is not strictly true? Um, in a way, I do agree that it does matter because... Uh, Australia did contribute to the 1969 lunar landing. But in a way, I don't really mind if it's not true because it's a movie. And <laughs> yeah, as you, you know. said, um, movies uh, can be a portrayal of an event. Yeah. So it doesn't really necessarily have to be true. And I guess it's supposed to be entertaining and it's supposed yeah. to be amusing. Um, what did other people think? Do you, do, you think? do you feel a little bit betrayed? Are you upset? Do you have feelings? Um, in a way, not really, because at first I didn't actually know that it wasn't true. Because the movie, it portrayed it really well that you would believe that it's true. But then at the same time, I think people will start to believe that that's how it happened. Yeah. And I have to admit that I was under the impression for at least a good 20 years that this was, you know, reasonably historically accurate. Um, and I, I had no idea. Um, so... Uh, you know, I'm going to put something out there. I'm going to say that it doesn't really matter. I've got this theory that, um, you know, this the dish is kind of almost a modern myth. Um, so it's not a story really about what happened, but rather it's a story about um, how we want to be. Uh, and I think one of the things, uh, you know, our sort of the films we make do celebrate what it means to be Um, Australian in some ways and one of the things that our films often um, celebrate is this idea of us being underdogs Uh, and we see that in films like like The Castle which clearly if you haven't seen it you have to Uh, films like Kenny that we watched last year and Breaker Morant that we watched last year and films like Gallipoli you know that's a story about underdogs right there Um, what I do like about The Dish however is it's a story about underdogs that has a happy ending it's a little bit more optimistic than Gallipoli, okay? Yeah. I, I feel like I shouldn't give spoilers for Gallipoli, but it is history, what happened there. And it, it wasn't, uh, you know, a particularly uplifting story. But I think it's nice that we do have Aussie films that have these uh, uplifting endings. I, 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 I like that it's a story about um, underdogs, you know, these, these small-town scientists playing a big role 
um, in this global event. And I really identify with these characters. Did you, did you guys really feel for them? It made me like the characters more because, like, during hardships, right, it's yeah. like Australia's, like, big chance. But when something bad happens, it's like, oh, no, it's like I really want them to fix it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, me too. And I think the, the strongest point of identification for me in that film is when they lose track of Apollo 11 um, and uh, Elle's saying, well, why don't you just contact NASA? Why don't you just explain that you, you messed up? Like they messed up the, you know, the coordinates for the Southern Hemisphere. Um, and there's that moment where Cliff says, uh, you know, we're not going to do that. They'll tell us we're no longer required. We're just a bunch of dickheads who can't even maintain a practice signal. And... That, that got to me. And it's like, okay, I'm on board here. I want you guys to do this. You know, find, find that module. I'm going to throw over to Nat right now. Nat, do you reckon this is a good Australian story? Um, yes, because there was, like, subtle shots of, like, the Australian outback and, like, the views. And, like, at, when they play cricket, it's sort of like that's an Australian thing to do like play cricket in the backyard it's a, perhaps a little bit cliche to celebrate the australian landscape in australian films but there are some beautiful shots of the parks radio telescope at the beginning of the film just those beautiful aerial shots of, of the surrounding um, fields and the radio telescope there i think it's a beautiful looking film and i think it's much more beautifully shot than the castle was uh, and i agree those quirky moments and the reason they're playing cricket on the dish which I didn't really realise until I re-watched it, is they're trying to align it um, and they're trying to get it straight. Um, oh. So that's Mitch's way of, uh, you know, adjusting <laughs> the radio telescope. Yeah, I really like that. Were there other sort of things that you think perhaps made it an important or, um, you know, good Australian story? There was like the outback and then there was like further into the city where they all had their like meetings i don't know oh yeah like so i don't know that sort of nostalgia for small town australia yeah. i quite like um what did other people like in terms of it being an australian story what was what was there for us you could tell the difference between so when americans came you could tell the difference between the australians and americans so the australians they were kind of more i know um, laid back, they were kind of more chill about it, oh, like in a way, but then the Americans were all serious, <laughs> yeah. wearing ties, suits and everything. They, they had spent several billion dollars trying to get this project off the ground, <laughs> so uh, forgive them if they weren't chill. But no, I agree, there's that, there's that sense of, you know, being Australian is as much about what we're not as what we are, and we're very much not like Americans. And I think this is, you know, the film brings out those, some of those cultural differences. Word of the day, self-deprecating. I think that's what, you know, this film is celebrating. That's sort of the fact, I think you're right, that we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, and that's possibly an important part of our um, national identity. And I think this film celebrates the fact that we are a little bit of a backwater. We are a little bit of a cultural backwater. And there are these nice scenes in the film. So Bob the mayor uh, is walking down the street and he's talking to a shopkeeper and, and she's like, yeah, oh, that scientist from NASA came in the other day, wanted pretzels. And there's this moment where Bob rocks back on his heels and he's like, oh, it's a world event. Um, so there's those little moments. And, you know, when that town band plays uh, the Hawaii Five-O theme instead of the American National Anthem. So there's that, that sense that we don't take ourselves... Um, terribly seriously and you know it's celebrating the fact that we are a little bit of backwater and I don't mind that um, I don't mind that at all any other thing that any other things that people liked in terms of it being an Australian story it 
showed like how everyone unites at the end and like they're all gathered together and they're happy because they're all successful. Yeah, and there's that sense that it's not just an Australian story. You know, we played a, a small part uh, in something that was a global event and uh, one of the, I think, the very moving parts about that final bit of the film, as Eva was alluding to before, is that moment where, um, you know, you get glimpses of all of the other people around the world seeing this. Um, so it's in some ways transcends this idea that it's an Australian story. It's a, it's a global story. And we played uh, a very, you know, small role in that, uh, which I think is something to celebrate. And I love that sense that it, again, celebrates, um, you know, Australians, Australia's uh, sort of can-do attitude. I love that moment where Mitch is complaining about L and he's like, we're a professional unit. And they're standing on top of the dish uh, playing cricket. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, still not flat enough, Glenn. Probably NASA settings. Um, yeah, so I, I love moments like that. Do you guys have anything else to say about this film? I mean, has it radically changed your perception of what Australian cinema is? Um, I really enjoyed the part when, um, you know, when uh, they were changing the satellite dish and then uh, they were playing this sort of score and uh, it just made me feel really, you know. Is that the scene where the, it's got the guitar music? I think yes, it's classical yeah. gas. And yeah. yeah, there's wonderful little montages like that. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really uh, nice moment as well. Um, I think I also, oh, I like the scene when Glenn finally asked out his crush, is it Mary? Oh, yeah. Um, no, uh, it was Janine. Janine, yeah. Janine. So I just kind of felt happy for him because you could see that he was that awkward kind of nerdy guy. And he finally asked and you could see how happy he was so that was just a sweet moment yeah that was a sweet and incredibly cringy moment as well where they're standing outside the dish um and she's about to get in the car he's like do you want to go out with me it's like what what did you say do you want to go out with me and he's like uh, uh maybe and she's like i'd love to go out friday night and his reaction is what with me <laughs> so oh it's so cringy I guess he didn't expect that from her. No, <laughs> he he didn't expect that. And yeah, it's it's one of those sweet things. And I think it's a very sweet movie. I got to the end and I'm like, that was so wholesome. That was just a wholesome movie. And it's so sweet and it's so endearing. Um, and I, I quite like it. Thank you so much uh, for that. And thank you so much to everyone for listening to this episode of Media. Remember, if you'd like to join the conversation about The Dish, send us a link to your 30-second response to this Australian story uh, to brett at lessonbucket.com and we might feature you in our next episode about Australian stories. For more information about VCU Media, remember to check out lessonbucket.com. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thanks very much. No thank problem. You.